Good, mor <coughs> Good morning. Good morning. I'm getting over a cold, so no hugs or handshakes. I'm glad you brought your mask this morning. I'm in the book of Isaiah. I'd like for you to join me there if you would. Isaiah chapter 42. I don't know if you've noticed uh, this about me or not, but I absolutely love God's Word. I love teaching it. I love reading it. I love discovering new truths. It was just a great truth that Emily shared with us this morning uh, while we were practicing before the music started. Uh, I just love His Word, and I hope you love His Word. I think, I think the most excited Christians in the world are those who finally stumbled into <coughs> this idea that God's Word is alive and active and powerful in our lives, and it's just so rich and deep, and there's a whole new lens on life, if you will, from reading it. Barbara had shared some books with me uh, a month or so ago, and I was reading one of them, and, and I just couldn't read enough of it. It's, it's about how to interpret the Bible through the lens of Rabbi Jesus. That's the take on this particular author, is reading the Scripture through the eyes of Rabbi Jesus. What, what a beautiful thought. What a beautiful thought. It's a great book. Thanks for sharing those with me. I'm sorry? So, yeah, Barbara Bottom for the Church for reading is three books, and you'll enjoy them. And we're glad you're here too, buddy. You know, I was, I was preparing for the message this week, and I was just telling God how much I loved His Word and how, how honored I am to be allowed to teach His Word uh, to, to you folks. And it's just, I was just so, I was just in, in His presence thinking about that. And I got to thinking about, and this is so trivial and trite, but it, it just meant so much to me. I got to thinking about my favorite books in the Bible. And so in the New Testament, it would be the book of John. It's where God tells us how much he loves all mankind, right? For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son. And I got to thinking about the Old Testament. And for the Old Testament, it would have to be Isaiah, where God demonstrates his continuous love, mercy, and compassion for rebellious nation Israel. He gave them everything, and yet they continued to rebel against him over and over and over again. And he kept drawing them back and drawing them back. And that's what the book of Isaiah is about, is God saying, you followed after idols. I gave you everything, and you went after somebody else. And they went into captivity because of that. But he said, I'm still going to draw you out. I still love you. His his relentless love for the nation of Israel, which is his love for us. And I got to thinking, what's the book in between those two? For me, it would be Malachi. The book of Malachi is all about honoring God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our pocketbook. Remember that passage in chapter 3, verse 10, where it says, bring the tithes into the storehouse and see if I will not pour out blessings on you because of that. Malachi is all about honoring God for who he is. So in between John and Isaiah, there's Malachi. And I got to thinking, the first letters of those books spell something. And I got happy about that. <laughs> what does it spell, John? Isaiah, Malachi. It spells Jim. That's my name. Yeah, I had the same response. Oh, that is so cool, God. And yes, I do hear that buzz in the microphone and the speaker. If you could mute Wayne's guitar, just 
communion. I think that's what it is. We'll see if I'm right. Nope. Okay, just mute everything except me. It, maybe, maybe it's me that's making that noise. Chapter 42, verse 1. I'm pretty sure I could preach a sermon on each one of these verses, but I won't this morning. But I could. There's just so much here. It says, here is my servant whom I uphold. In the King James Version, it says, behold, behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not cry out or shout or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick, that's like a candle, he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. In his law the islands will put their hope. Remember, we call them continents, but we're really islands, right? 75% of the earth is ocean. And so we think they're big, giant continents, but they're just islands. They're just big islands, little islands, medium-sized islands. I guess Australia's a medium-sized island, right? Hawaii's a little island. Speaking of Hawaii, let's all go. <coughs> right, amen. Next Sunday service. On the beach in Hawaii. Yeah. This is what God... The Lord says, he who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to his people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind, to free the captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare before they spring into being and I announce them to you. Here's a, here's a deep spiritual truth for you. And that is, God always speaks in layers. layers. Have you ever thought about that? You know, humans have layers. Parfaits have layers. Donkeys have layers. That's from a movie, Shrek. That's
Okay, there we go. Yeah. Good job, Taylor. You are amazing. Good job, anyway. Always take credit for something that you did that you didn't do that was good. And I, she walked away. You got to walk back, Taylor. All right, we'll try this. We're really having difficulties, but and that's just because this is a really good message that the Lord has given me, and I guess somebody's trying to stop it. That's okay. We're going to keep going. So, um, God speaks in layers, and there there are layers in this message. There are layers throughout Isaiah and other places in the Bible too. And if you don't get the layers, you miss you miss the uh, the enormity of what of what. God has given Isaiah in this prophecy. It's just a, it's an amazingly huge prophecy, if I can say it that way. Present 
that almost snuffed out their candle in order to, to the flame went out and it was just a little smoldering just right there. Has that ever happened in your life? The Bible says God won't ever do that to you. God will never break your reason growing out of the, the mark of you. He's not going to come on and, and break it. God is free from bad and good. He's not going to come on and break it to you. Oh, it's no good. Let's go away. song that says breath in our lungs. So we pour out praise. We pour out praise. It's his breath in our lungs. He gives us breath. If you're here this morning, it's because you got breath in your lungs. If you ain't got breath in your lungs, you ain't here this morning. Is that a pretty good assumption? Right? It's his breath that gives us in our lungs. So what is his breath? What is it that he puts in us? John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called, what? The children of God. He gives you a birthright. He says, you are my child. From this point on, no matter what you do, so we can just be conditioned. Bishop, I'm giving you a birthright. You're, you're my chosen nation. No matter what you do, I'm still going to come back to you. I'm still going to come back to you to rescue you. I'm still going to try to come back and draw you out of this idol worship. I'm still going to try to deliver you from this bondage that you're in, this captivity that you're in. He gives us a birthright. He says, you're my child from now. No matter what you do. As your parent, you know what I'm talking about. You have a child. They do something crazy, wrong, you lose them, lose your family. They're still your child. Right? No matter what they do. They break the law. They break several laws. Break your heart several times. You're still your child. Don't we break God's heart? Don't we break His laws and His rules and His regulations and His guidelines and His suggestions? God says, "This is who I am." He gives us a birthright. When He breathes into us, He says, "Here's a birthright." Secondly, He breathes reconciliation into our heart. He breathes reconciliation into our heart. 
in Romans chapter 5, verse 11, it says, We rejoice through Jesus Christ, who has now brought reconciliation to us. We have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. God says, I've wiped all your sins away. The word reconcile is a, is a bank, <coughs> banking term. It's a banking term. You reconcile your checkbook statement. Here's what I spent. Here's what I brought in. Here's what I spent. Here's what I brought in. And hopefully at the end of the day, you still got a little bit left, right? God says, here are your sins, and here's my deposit, Jesus Christ, that's going to cover all of your sins. Right? He brings reconciliation into our life. There's therefore now no condemnation. There's therefore now no fight. There's no battle. There's no war. God says, all that has been taken care of because of Jesus Christ. He breathes a birthright. He breathes reconciliation. The third thing he breathes is encouragement into our heart. John 14, 26. It says, when the counselor comes, he will teach you everything I said, and he will remind you of everything I said. You know, that's what encouragement is. When your daughter or your son's having a bad day, you speak to them, and you try to encourage their heart by reminding them of who they are, Reminding them that it's not their fault or reminding them that it was their fault, but it's going to be okay. You do the same thing. You encourage them. You teach them and train them. God has given us the Holy Spirit. Encouragement in our heart to say, look, I'm going to remind you of who I am. And I'm going to remind you of why I'm in your life and what I'm going to do with your life. The counselor comes to teach us and to remind us, to encourage us. Listen, when God breathes his breath into us, he breathes encouragement. He said, yeah, you're my child, and yes, you make mistakes, but I want to encourage you. In spite of your mistakes, I will never leave you nor forsake you, ever. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that encouraging? The fourth thing he gives. He gives birthright. He gives reconciliation. He gives encouragement. But the fourth thing he gives is authority, authority. John 14, 12, he says, you will do what I did, and you would do greater things than I do. He gives us the authority to act on his behalf. He gives us the authority to act in his name. That's why we can pray for people and see them healed. Because we're acting in his authority. That's why we can be speaking to someone, and all of a sudden God gives us a prophetic word, a knowledge about somebody that we can share with them that will help and encourage them and point them in the right direction. Right? That's authority that he gives us. He also gives us authority over the enemy. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, right? He gives us this authority over sickness, death, sorrow. He, he gives us this authority to act just like he did, to do what he did. He demonstrated that for us. He gives us the authority to do it. The fifth thing he gives us is transcendence. Now, this is not a word that we use a lot. It's it's a beautiful word. We just don't use it enough. He gives us transcendence, which means you can be here and you can be there. You transcend something. You go from you're here, you're there, you transcend it. You cross over to it. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, that you and I are raised up and seated with him in heavenly places. So you're here, David, but you're there, David. In the spirit realm, you are seated with God right now. In the physical realm, you're seated with us right now in a blue chair in this building, right? That's transcendence. You can be both here and there simultaneously. You know I love the study of 
quantum mechanics, right? Quantum physics and string theory. I love reading about these things. Just fascinating to me. And one of the, one of the things about quantum mechanics is <clears throat> it's called quantum entanglement, where two objects are entangled. And one can be here and one can be there simultaneously at the same time, somehow communicating with each other. It's just it's a fascinating concept, quantum entanglement. Two, two things connected. They can be one, they can be two. It's just fascinating. And, and here's, here's an illustration of how you can see what I'm talking about. Picture yourself standing in your house, and you turn all the lights off in your living room, and you've got a flashlight in your hand. And you turn the flashlight on, and you walk over to the window, and you shine the light out the window, like Debbie and I did at 2 o'clock the other morning when there was a possum running around out in the backyard making a lot of noise, right? They're shining a flashlight on us. Beep, 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 beep. Watching us, right? You shine the flashlight out in the yard through the window. When you're looking out the window, you see the flashlight on the ground, right? Or in this case, in the eyes of a possum, right? But you see, but you also see the flashlight in the window, right? That's photons, the same photons coming out of that light some of them are stuck in the window. Some of them are stuck on the ground. Now, who tells which one where to go? Who tells some photons to go to the ground? Who tells some photons to stay in the window? That's quantum entanglement. That's an illustration of quantum entanglement. God says, you go here and you go there. Because God is what? He's love, but he's light. He created it. He created photons. Right? So God gives us an illustration at a quantum level quantum entanglement he gives us an illustration with this light that i just shared with you light can be on the ground it can be in your window pane simultaneously at the same time same light different places you can be in two different places at the same time yet be the same thing the same spirit same human spirit isn't that amazing that'll blow your mind when you really think about it that you're seated in heavenly places and you're seated here and there's this transcendence that God allows you to participate in. I think it's First Peter that says that by his great love we can participate in his divine nature. Right? Isn't that beautiful? So, God breathes into us. What is breath? It's a birthright. It's reconciliation. It's encouragement. It's authority. It's transcendence. And lastly, it's holiness. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10, the last part of that verse, it says, God disciplines us for our good so that we might share in his holiness. The more of you, the sinful you, that you get out of the way, the more of the holiness of God that can come into your life. It's there. It's waiting. And you've heard the illustration before. It's, you take a glass and you fill it full of rocks or marbles, right? You pour water in there, and then as you take the marble out, representing sin or sinfulness, your selfishness in your life, and when you take those out, there's more room for more water, right? And so that's what God is about in our lives. He, he knows we're filled with rocks. He, he gets that. But he still pours the water in anyway because he loves us that much. And he's waiting on us, the discipline that comes into our life. He's waiting on us to say, Jim, if you take that marble out, you can have more water. It's like, yes, Lord. So I take that marble out and set it aside, and he's able to pour more water into my life. And the more marbles I take out, the more water I have in my life. That's what it means to 
understand the discipline of God where he's saying, Jim, this is, this is not good for you. It's not good for anybody. It's not good for your family, your friends. It's not good for your health. Take this out. And when you take it out, I'm going to fill that place up with water. That's the holiness of God that he breathes into us and says, by the way, this is free. You don't have to work for holiness. Now, taking sin out of your life requires work and energy, right? But he's not saying you have to work for the holiness. I will give you the holiness free if you will take this out of your life. If you'll exchange ugliness for holiness, I'll give it to you all day long, he says. Isn't that beautiful? His breath, he breathed into our life. It's his breath. That's why we should worship and praise him. In Romans chapter 11, verse 29, it says, God's calling and gifting are irrevocable. Now, what does irrevocable mean? It means you can't evoke it, right? <laughs> and that would mean you can't evoke it anymore. It's done. Right? right? It means you can't take it back. Exactly. When God gives his gifts, he doesn't take them back. And if he puts these six things in your life, if he brings breath into your life, he's not going to take them away. Now, you may not understand them. You may refuse to live with them and be a part of them. You may refuse to take the rocks out of the glass, to use that illustration. But his calling and gifting is irrevocable. And when he gives you these gifts, no one can take them away, not even you. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he doesn't take his birthright away and say, Jim, you just really, you really messed up. I'm, I'm just, I don't want you to be my son anymore. I'm sorry. What kind of life would that be to live? You know, even when you are thinking about rejecting God, any even when you're mad at God, even when you don't want to talk to God anymore, he's sitting there saying, okay, I'll wait. He's not taking your birthright away from you, right? He's not taking reconciliation away from you. He's just simply being God and waiting on you. I promise you, God will outweigh you, right? God will <laughs> outweigh you. That's the kind of God he is. He's not in a hurry. He's not in a hurry for your holiness. He's not in a hurry for your salvation. He's not in a hurry for any of this. He just, he's a very patient God. And that's what Isaiah is all about. God saying, I'm just patient with you. I'll wait for you to come around. And if you were to come back and sit at the table and eat with me, I'll welcome you. And I'll fix the fatty calf for you. And if you've lost everything, I'll give you a new robe and new sandals and new, a new ring. Wh whatever you need, I'll give that to you if you'll just come back home. God loves you. He's not mad. Please come home. The Bible says in the end times, uh, people be, they will turn away from the faith. They will betray and hate each other. It says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. So here's the bottom line for this morning. God breathes his breath into our life. Any Christian that you know that has accepted Jesus Christ and God has breathed this into them, right? Let's be careful that we don't betray and hurt one another and bruise a reed or snuff out a candle because some Christian has lost their way. Let's make sure that we're not the people who break reeds and we're not the people who snuff out candles because some Christian has lost their passion or their desire or their interest in God or the Bible or spiritual things. They've walked away from the faith. 
Let's not be the person that comes along and says, okay, you're broken. I'm just going to break you in half. You're discarded. Let's be the people that recognize God's calling and gifting is irrevocable and that every Christian we run into has these six things in them somewhere that need to be called out. Let us, let's find a way to call them back out in people. Pray that the Holy Spirit will revive it in people. Pray the Holy Spirit will revive it in our own self. But let's be one of the servants, one of the four servants here that says, I will not break a reed that's broken or that's bruised. I will not break a reed that's bruised. And I will not snuff out somebody else's candle. Let's make a commitment to that. And let's go look for those bruised reeds. Let's go look for those candles that are almost out and do what we can to help them. I think that's the challenge from this scripture for us, for this church. <clears throat> Let's don't betray and hate one another. Let's don't let that be a part of who we are. Let's remind people of their birthright. Let's remind people that God has reconciled them already. Let's be an encouragement to them. Let's use our authority in Christ to break off the yoke or the burden of the bondage that's there. <clears throat> As it says, down in verse 6 and 7, it says to open the eyes of the blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeons those who sit in darkness. Let's find those people. Let's use our authority to set them free. Let's discover every day our transcendence and remind people, of how Christians, of how transcendent they really are. And let's be holy because he is holy. Can we do that? Father, I just thank you so much for this I thank you for this scripture. Man, this, this thought is just, it's amazing, Father. Thank you. Thank you for the love you have for us. Father, I pray for those here this morning that are struggling. They're, they're bruised reeds and they're smoldering candles. Father, I, <clears throat> I ask that you would encourage them this morning. Heal their bruise reignite their candle that it might bring glory to you Lord Jesus reignite your church bring revival to your church bring revival to us to each one of us Lord bring revival in my own heart Lord let your kingdom come let your will be done Jesus' name.